Acts 10, 34 through 38. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is the reading of the Lord. You may be seated. Tonight we are continuing to learn from God's word about what it means to prepare our hands and our feet for the mission that he has called us to. We spent June and July talking about how to prepare our heart as we studied the book of Jonah. And then we are grabbing some passages of scripture that really show us how to equip our hands and feet for the mission that God has called us to. We believe that God has called us to a mission. We believe he's called us to a mission Because if we are a disciple, we are told, we are commanded by our Savior to go and make disciples, who make disciples to the ends of the earth. We also feel like we need to prepare our hands and our feet for mission because as you just saw, 5,000 students just walked past our building on the way to an event with the university. We have a unique opportunity to serve them. There are now moving to Iowa City and have moved to Iowa City Uh, people from some 100 plus countries. Uh, We have opportunities to serve one another. The opportunities are really endless. And the more our world hurts, the more opportunities we have to be on mission, to share the good news in word and deed. But just as we saw in Jonah, we need to prepare our heart. As we see in scripture, we need to prepare our hands and our feet with the skills and the equipping that we need to understand, believe, and share the good news. As Hannah just read for us from Acts chapter 10, we were taking a look at a passage of where the gospel, really the rubber met the road for the gospel in the book of Acts. The spirit poured out on a group of people and people were starting to come to Christ from different tribes, tongues, and nations. And so you had Jews and Gentiles looking to worship and serve and even lead churches together. So the church was confronted with the fact, what does the gospel mean, not just for the individual, but what does the gospel mean as the church comes together? So we see a very instructive description here of what it looks like to be a gospel-oriented church. So if you haven't already, turn with me to Acts chapter 10, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thanks for this opportunity to hear from you. We look forward uh, to hearing from your word and your spirit and your people tonight. God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to serve so many students here tonight uh, by being hospitable, by opening up our front porch, by uh, just meeting a need of even just being hungry and new to town. We thank you for that opportunity. God, thank you for the many hands that are working hard outside to provide those Um, meals. God, we pray that even as students walk by, they would hear our worship and they would see the love we have for one another and they would wonder about the hope that we have. And we pray for opportunities to share that in word and deed tonight, this first week of school, and as we continue on through the coming year. Holy Spirit, prepare our hands and feet to do exactly what you call us to do. Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you that it is good news for us, is good news for those who are perishing, and is good news 
uh, for the world, and we pray that you would better equip us to share it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Hannah read for us Acts 10, 34 through 38, where Peter opens his mouth and he uh, proclaims the good news of the gospel. The situation that Peter is in is that he has had a kind of a miraculous vision from the Lord. And in this vision earlier in the book of Acts, um, God shows Peter that he and the other apostles are not to call something unclean that God has called clean. And Peter understands that this is, God is saying to him that the Gentiles are now going to come to faith in droves and that he and the other apostles should not keep them from coming to the faith. So this man Cornelius is supernaturally called by God and this, the Holy Spirit appears to Cornelius and he says, go and find this guy named Peter. And then Peter goes and he shares what we are reading here today with the whole household of Cornelius. So as Hannah just read, he lays out the gospel for them, and I'll pick it up in verse 39. And we are all witnesses of that, what he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to those who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So let's recap what's happening here. The Holy Spirit does uh, twofold work or multiple fold work here. The Holy Spirit first draws Cornelius to Peter and says, go talk to this guy, Peter. And then Peter has the vision on the rooftop of God saying to him, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And then the Holy Spirit shows Peter the depths of the gospel. This gospel going to the Gentiles is not like a new, new covenant. It's God's plan from the beginning to bring some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people to him. But God is saying, Peter, I'm going to give you unique opportunities to proclaim the good news to the Gentiles and do not call them unclean just because they are from a different ethnicity, a different people group, and a different religion. This has been God's heart from the beginning, and so God is showing Peter this is a further unfolding of the good news of the gospel and God's kingdom plan. Then Peter goes to Cornelius' house and gives this very evangelistic message. He reminds them of the story of Jesus because everyone in the land had heard and knew about the story of Jesus and had even heard that he appeared to some as, after he rose from the dead. Then Peter lays out in great detail what the gospel looks like. And then the Holy Spirit interrupts him, which I think is funny. We'll talk more about that in a minute. The Holy Spirit interrupts him and falls on these Gentiles, on Cornelius' house, 
And then Peter says, who can keep these people from being baptized? And then they invite Peter to stick around because they want to be discipled by him. They, they want to hear more about the depths of the good news of the gospel, which the Holy Spirit and Peter have been communicating to them. So this is a, a recap of the story tonight. What we are going to focus on from this scripture is what is the point of our gospel mission? Last week we looked at Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 4, and we looked at how we are hidden with Christ in God, and we dove into the depths of what the gospel means for us. Tonight we're taking a look at what that gospel means for other people and how we take that good news and we share it with others. And I really want to frame it up and think about it as asking the question, what is the point? What is the point of our faith? What is the point of our mission? Because to be honest with you, friends, at the end of the day, sometimes it just seems easier to stay on our little mission and live for our little K kingdom, where we sit on the throne, we determine what we do and how we use our lives. It seems easier to go about just doing things in the routine fashion in, with, in which we are doing them. We talked about last week how even though we are told to seek the things that are above, to focus on the things that are above, our natural default in the flesh as we wake up each morning is to focus on the kingdom of self. Paul encouraged us in Colossians to take a view of Jesus who sits on the throne and remember that he is in charge, that it's his glory that matters, but we get off track and off mission and we focus on our own kingdom. We think we sit on the throne and we get involved in all these side little missions to build our own kingdom. So tonight in light of this passage, what is the point and how can our hands and feet be equipped to do gospel mission? The point of all of it, the point of God calling us into his kingdom, the point of God leaving us here, the point of us giving away free meals, the point of us being a church at all is the glory of God. That is the point. We are hidden with Christ in God because it glorifies God when redeemed sinners raise from the dead spiritually and start living for God's kingdom instead of their man-made kingdom. It brings glory to God when we recognize that we don't sit on the throne, but there is one who sits on the throne and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The goal, the point of our mission is the glory of God. We may know this cognitively, but we get off track when we lose sight of this and it becomes about our glory our church, our kingdom, what we are doing for God. Time and time again, as we open the pages of scripture, mankind keeps trying to make everything about them. And God, in some fashion, reminds them it's not about you. And so as we open up scripture, we see time and time again, Mankind keeps trying to make it about themselves and what they want and what is easiest for them and their man-made kingdoms. And God keeps reminding them, it's not about you and it never was. Time and time again, we keep trying to make our lives about what we want and build our kingdoms. And God keeps having to remind us it was never just about you. See, friends, the most loving thing that God can do for you is to make your life all about his glory. 
The most loving thing that God can do is make your life more and more about his glory. You know why? It's because it's what you were created to do. He is glorious. He always has been glorious. He has always been holy. He has always been set apart from everything else. Everything flows out of him. And when we align our lives and when more and more of the world aligns with him receiving glory, we receive great joy. Because it's what we're made to do. It's what we're made to do. Bring him glory with more and more of our lives and more and more of the world giving him glory. So tonight we're going to answer the question, how do we make our lives more and more about him? How do we make our church more and more about him to make sure that we are on gospel mission, not Jason mission or Grace Community Church mission, but gospel mission? We're going to take a look at eight things, either directly from this passage or out of the book of Acts. First, the gospel needs to be our guide. I'm going to list these as kind of like statements, like this is what we need to be about moving forward. The gospel needs to be our guide moving forward. We're going to turn back to Acts 10 in just a moment, but I want to flip over to Acts 15, which is a matter of days, weeks, or months after the proceedings of Acts 10. Turn with me to Acts 15. This is what it looks like for the gospel to be our guide just as it was in the first century. So Acts 15, we'll read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll skip around a little bit here. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate among them, before we go on, let's catch that. When it says no small dissension, it means it was a big fat dissension. They had a fight. They were in conflict. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So this is what's taking place. Some in the church are saying that if a Gentile gives their life to Jesus and says, I want to follow Jesus, then they need to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. And it seems that Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement about whether this should be the case. And so Paul and Barnabas are sent to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles and the elders of the first century church to figure this out. Okay, so skip ahead with me to verse 7. Acts 15 and verse 7. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Verse 11, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So this question comes up. 
Do the Gentiles need to follow the Old Testament law in order to follow Jesus? And at the end of the day, what solves it? It's the gospel. Peter says here, we as Jews have not been able to live up to the standard of the law. We as Jews have not lived up to God's perfect standards. And we have lived according to grace. And it is by grace we have been saved. Now will we put a greater yoke on the Gentiles than we are able to bear ourselves? No. They have taken on the yoke of Jesus whose burden is easy and light because of his grace. He takes on our sin. He takes the heavy burden and he gives us the goodness of the gospel and his righteousness. So at the end of the day, the gospel must be our guide and tell us what to do. How do we reach people? How do we love one another? How do we live out our faith? How do we go on mission? We do it according to the good news of the gospel. Go back to Acts 10. We'll spend the rest of the time there. Acts 10. Number two, in light of this passage, we will show no partiality on our gospel mission. From the very beginning here in verse 34 of chapter 10, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, or your translation may say favoritism, but in every nation anyone who hears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Here when it says every nation, it literally in the Greek means every ethne, ethnicity, people. Every people will have an opportunity to fear and obey the Lord. Because the kingdom come is not a Jewish kingdom. The kingdom come is Jesus on the throne and some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people worshiping him, just like we read at the beginning of our service. So if God's grace... And his unmerited favor and mercy poured out on mankind shows no favoritism and no partiality. We can't either. Racism is not an option. Building a church where everyone just looks like us, not an option. Holding up things that are not the gospel as law are not an option for us. Because God is looking to save some from every nation. So we will show no partiality. We'll hit on this in just a moment. Number three, we will speak the truth in love. Verses 42 and 43. And he he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Usually when we use this phrase, speaking the truth in love, it comes out of Ephesians and it talks about the church, how the church interacts with one another. But here we see in Peter's gospel presentation a great example of speaking the truth in love. What does he tell them? He says, we preach and testify to the people that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. So there's truth that there is someone who judges the living and the dead. And at the end of our lives, we will give an account for the right and the wrong that we have done. And either we have our own merit to stand on or Christ's righteous perfection to stand on. 
But at the end of the day, there is a judge. And how we live our lives matters. And what we decide about Jesus matters. It's the truth. It's one part of the good news. But the second part is that everyone who believes in him will be found acceptable by God and have their sins forgiven. Meaning everyone must give an account, but everyone can get in on this deal. Everyone can get in on this. The righteousness of God credited to you. It doesn't matter if it's Jew or Gentile. People from every people group will have this opportunity. This is speaking the truth in love in our gospel presentation. When we declare the good news of the gospel, we put out a warning to people that life is shorter than they think and we'll all have to give an account for our lives and eternity is really long and heaven is very real and separation from God and hell is very real. But anyone can get in on this. You don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to look like a certain way or vote a certain way or go to my church or know all the things. You just have to receive what Christ freely offers. So if we are to be on gospel mission, we must speak the truth and love. We spend a whole Sunday putting our faith in action and serving all over our community. We're looking to bless those in our community by praying for them, eating with them, listening to them, serving them. But at the end of the day, we share the good news with our lips. We declare the good news. Number four, we will preach the good news. And he commanded us in verse 42 to preach. Our church will be about preaching the good news, that people will hear the gospel each Sunday, that people will hear from God's word and not me or anyone else's opinion. Do you know how tempted I am to share my opinion when I stand up here? Especially in these divisive times where there's a million different things to have an opinion on right now. There's so often I would love to stand up here and just share my opinion. But God has called us to preach the good news of the gospel. And you don't need my opinion at the end of the day. Because I'm a man. A man who lives in a body of flesh. And you don't need to hear my opinion. The idea is that you would hear from God. You would hear from his word. You would hear from his spirit. You would hear from his people. That's what the apostles did in Acts. What broke the tie when there was a fight? The gospel. Who shared an opinion? Those who had something to share from the word of the Lord. And you know how they start every sermon in the books of, book of Acts? Remember that guy, Jesus, that you put on a cross? He rose from the dead and he's really the king. That's the opinion that they wanted to share over and over and over again. And last week we talked about a high view of Jesus sitting on an eternal throne. And friends, that's what you need more than my opinion. You need my opinion on where does Jesus sit and is he really in charge more than you need my opinion on masks, the CDC rules, Afghanistan, politics, COVID, whatever it is, you need to hear from God. So from this day forward and hopefully for all the days past, we have been about preaching the good news of the gospel.
Number five, we will testify to the good news. It says in the same verse, to preach to the people, but also to testify. When we hear hear the word testify, we think of someone that is called to testify in court. The reason that someone testifies in court is because they have seen something and they need to tell others about it so a judgment can be made. So preaching, formally teaching the word of God and the good news of the gospel to the believers and the unbelievers, but then testifying. That's what we do as the church. The church testifies to the goodness of God. In Revelation 5 that we started our service with tonight, that's what the saints are doing. They're testifying to the goodness of God. But you know what? We can start that now. And not just when Caitlin or Bo or anyone else is leading us in music. Our very lives testify to who our God is. Our very lives testify to whether we know good news or not. So to be a people of gospel mission, we must preach the word of God, but also testify to the gospel with our lives. Give testimony of the hope that we have, of the good news that we have. And we live in a culture that is increasingly less interested in going to church, but is in need of good news more and more. So testifying isn't just inviting people to church. Do that. That's great. But testifying to the good news with our lips, with our actions, with our lives is the call of the entire church. Number six, we will let the Spirit interrupt us. What we read in the book of Acts is most often a description of what God is doing in the book of Acts. It's typically not a prescription, meaning do this and do this, and then the Holy Spirit will interrupt you. But the end of the day, we need to be a people that allows the Holy Spirit to interrupt our plans. Have you had this happen to you? The Holy Spirit interrupt your plans? I thought I was moving to Iowa for four years. I'm here 15 and a half years later. The Holy Spirit interrupted my plans. Has the Holy Spirit interrupted your plans, whether it be big plans or small plans? As a church, we want to be a people that is open to the interruption of the Holy Spirit. We want to be open to the idea that we at times get caught up in our own kingdom and our own mission, and we need the Holy Spirit to interrupt our plan and say, this is actually what you're going to do. And he may tell an individual that, he may tell a group that, a leadership team, a group of elders, a preacher, a person leading music, it could be anyone. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit interrupting our nice and tidy little plans for what he wants us to do. I am a preacher, and I guarantee that Peter had more to say in his sermon, but the Holy Spirit was like, you're done, Peter. I got things to say. We need to be a church that invites the Spirit of God to interrupt us or to knock us back on track when we get off track and we start living for our kingdom. Number seven, we will put no barrier in front of someone hearing the good news. Verse 46, then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? We will put no barrier in front of someone hearing the good news of the gospel. 
This means we need our church, our groups, our homes, our lives to be more and more focused on Jesus and less and less focused on us. This church, as I talked about earlier, would be awful if I just got up here and shared my opinion every Sunday. It would be equally awful if we made this church based on my preferences. It would be equally terrible if it was based on your preferences. The goal is not to build a club based on a group of people's preferences, confirmation bias, and preconceived notions. The church of the living God is people coming together from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people and declaring, testifying to the good news of the gospel. As people come into this church, as people interact with us out on the patio, as people interact with us in our everyday lives, the thing that they should come away thinking is, I have never quite been loved in that way. Or I heard the good news and I've never heard it before. We don't want them coming away knowing our music preference or that everyone has to vote the same way or everyone agrees on everything. We need to make more and more of our lives and our church focused on Jesus and less on us. That's why parking is not always convenient at this church. When we named this church, we were debating about, Dan Bovenmeyer and I were going back and forth on what we should name Grace Downtown as we came from Grace in North Liberty. And at first we were going to call it Grace Community Church, Iowa City. And Brooks said, don't do that because someday you're going to figure out that parking's inconvenient and everyone's going to want to move out of the downtown area. And the reason we planted this church was to be more accessible for students and people that are part of the university culture. So parking is probably always going to be inconvenient. We are probably never going to have perfectly designed rooms for your kids. We're going to take care of your kids. We're going to teach your kids about Jesus. They'll probably be safe. But we're not going to have budget in downtown Iowa City to build our perfect Goldilocks church where the rooms are perfect for kids. Sometimes we're going to give away so much free food that the church is going to go out for food and there's none left. Sometimes you're not going to like the speed of the music. Sometimes you're not going to like that the person reading scripture is reading in a different language than you. Sometimes things are not going to go according to your preference. I want to assure you they don't always go according to mine either. We will put no barrier in front of someone hearing the good news of the gospel, which means our lives and this church need to be more and more about Jesus and less and less about us. Lastly, we will pray. When we see the Holy Spirit do something incredible in the book of Acts, it's after and during God's people have prayed. Because when you do gospel ministry like we see in the book of Acts, and when we, you do gospel ministry as I am putting out there that we should, you get in way too deep. You get into situations where you don't know what to do, 
You think thousands of people coming to Christ every day was a nice and tidy little plan in the church growth movement? No. As we see the Spirit do more and more work in our lives and we make our lives and our church more and more about Jesus, we're going to get into situations where we just don't know what to do. We must begin with prayer. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but those 5,000 freshmen walking past our doors, many of them are not looking for a church. And many of them, though they, they, they ultimately are looking for the good news of the gospel, that's not what they think they need. So the Holy Spirit is going to have to interrupt their lives, is going to have to intervene in their lives and miraculously save them out of the loneliness that they are about to experience if they haven't already. So we will be a people that pray and ask God to do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. Abundantly more than we are capable of handling. One of our community groups had 30 people show up on Tuesday. There ain't nobody in this church with a big enough house for that. We have to pray that God helps us day by day to make our lives less and less about us and more and more about Jesus. If you would pull this out, it's on your seat. If you can't find it, it's under you. You got it, buddy. This is a simple reminder that we must begin with prayer. If you don't end up with one, there's one on every chair. There's some at the check-in desk. This is the beginning of our acronym BLESS as we're learning to bless our world with the good news of the gospel. This is just a reminder that our lives, our day, our church service needs to begin with prayer. Before you try to stick this on your water bottle, it is not a sticker. So if you're really frustrated because it won't stick to your sticker, it's a cling. It goes on mirrors or glass. It goes on mirrors or glass. But I encourage you, I would encourage you to put this somewhere that reminds you to begin your day with prayer. Put it in your mirror, put it in your car, put it in your Bible, put it in front of your coffee maker, wherever you're going to begin your day. This is a reminder to begin with prayer. We're going to close our service tonight by talking about some very practical ways that we can be on mission. And the first thing that you're going to hear about is Friends of International Students with Wade Summers. He's going to tell you about how you can uh, adopt international students that are now here at the University of Iowa. Wade, come on up. I got a mic here. There you go. So it's actually international neighbors um, because we're a network of Christians extending hospitality and welcome to international students. Uh, and so uh, a net, in order to do this well, we need the whole body um, to come together. So uh, that's why Jason's given me this chance to talk to you guys um, because everybody can play a part uh, to welcome uh, the 
hundreds of international students that are in our community that are walking on campus. Um, so that could be something like being a uh, particularly matched with a student and intentionally relationally connecting with one student. We can point you to Friends of International Students, another organization that does that matching program. Um, but that also might be uh, providing food uh, for an event. We do monthly events uh, to give a chance for international students to meet both an American um, Christian uh, community member as well as a peer-level Christian. Um, and so this uh, coming Saturday, we'll be doing a uh, pontoon boat rides on Lake McBride. And we'll be providing uh, grilled American-style food at a picnic uh, on the beach. And uh, it's a great fun time. Uh, it's a great place to meet international students. It's also, um, but in order to do that uh, as a blessing to the students, we need folks who are willing to give rides. Uh, very few international students have cars. So getting them to and from uh, is one thing we need. Uh, food. We want to give all um, uh, home-cooked American-style food for free, so we need people who are willing to cook. Uh, and then we're, we want people who are willing to take the time and, and become uh, just a host. Um, we, we are, for those of us who are American in the room, uh, pretty individualistic and, and can live our lives in a way that we don't necessarily see those in our lives um, or make space for them. Uh, and and the, the purpose of International Neighbors is to encourage us to take pause and to welcome the nations that are in our community, to, to be curious and ask good questions and really know them well. Um, and that's all before we get to say a, a word about the gospel. We need to, to honor them and listen to them uh, and earn the, earn the right to be able to, to speak uh, about what, um, what we believe. Uh, but we first need to understand what they believe, and we need to bless them well. So uh, if any of that's intriguing to you, uh, please stop by. There's a, a banner with welcome in a bunch of different languages in the back. I'll be there. Um, I, I want to stress again, uh, if you don't have the time to, be, to do the relational aspect but have the time to cook, wonderful. If you don't have <laughs> the ability to cook but have the ability to give rides, wonderful. There is a spot for you. This, is, this takes the whole body. Um, and, and the students that have encountered Jesus um, uh, through us uh, have told us that it's because they've met multiple Christians who loved them unconditionally um, and cared for them in a way that they couldn't write off. Uh, one of my students told me, you know, I could, I could just think that you were crazy, Wade, um, for the, the way that you, you love me, but the way that um, Aaron loves me and the way that Rebecca loves me and the way that um, all of these different people love me uh, and, and the common denominator is that they're Christian and that they're loving me without expectation, um, that I couldn't, I couldn't ignore, right? So uh, let's be the body together uh, and let's truly welcome the internationals that are in our community. Thanks. As Wade said, he's got a banner right back here. He would love to talk to you. And as he said, there's a number of ways to get connected. And uh, just thinking as Wade was talking, uh, you think it's kind of um, an inconvenience having lockdowns and not being able to do what you want to do during COVID. Imagine being in another country and not knowing the language and not being able to go home. It's a, a tough deal. So we have a unique opportunity to be be hospitable. So talk to Wade after the service to learn more about that. As Caitlin mentioned tonight, um, we are doing a series this fall. Another way to be on mission is we are doing an evangelistic sermon series where we are talking about encounters with Jesus. We are talking about people in the Gospels and their encounters with Jesus. And as we see the way Jesus interacted with them, we will be able to present the Gospel in a number of different ways. And we will also learn something as the church about how to 
um, communicate the good news of the gospel as Jesus did to a wide variety of people. It's going to be a great series for you to invite friends to. Uh, It will start the week after Labor Day, so in three weeks, and it will go until we start Advent, the first part of December or end of November. So great opportunity to invite people, uh, invite people that have not been to church in a while, invite people that are looking into the claims of Christ, invite people that you're reading the Bible with, invite people to read the Bible with you, and then go to the sermon series. It'll be a great opportunity for you to do so. So I wanted to give you a couple of practical ways to live this out as an individual, as groups, and also as a church. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have tonight to worship you. We want to continue to worship you as we interact with one another, as we interact with students, as we interact with people from our community, as we interact with people that primarily worship in North Liberty that are cooking our food right now. God, we're just so thankful for uh, what you're doing among us, and we want to invite you to do still more. We want to invite you to interrupt our plans and do whatever it is you want to do among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.